0: to the Pyramid Podcast, where three lads discuss all things the English Football Pyramid. On this evening's episode, we'll have a review of the English side starts to Champions League campaign, preview the weekend's Premier League action and wider AFL, preview Yovel's trip to Hampton and Richmond, and finish everyone's favourite podcast game, Spin the Wheel. I'm your host, Alex Murphy, and once again, I'm joined by Tom Lawrence and Tom Gallagher. Boys, get straight into it. Tomo, United Champs League last night, scored three goals away at uh, Bayern Munich probably would think you'd get something from that scoring three, but
1: another loss. Another loss indeed, yeah. And the way I would describe the result and the performance would be it was it was basically the most patronizing one goal deficit defeat you could ever hope for. Um it it felt a little bit like men versus boys. We obviously started the game quite well similar to what we did against Brighton. Um and then as soon as the goal goes in, obviously we can talk about Anana. I suppose we will have to. But that was a that was a proper ricket. And then they score straight away again, and it feels like our confidence is so low and so fragile that, like, we play well, and then the first sort of sign of something that goes wrong, it just completely, it completely shatters the performance, or it completely takes away the belief out of the team, and, and. We huffed and we puffed, but it felt like sort of Bayern were playing. Um, they sort of had us at arm's length. Musiala and San like Sané looked unbelievable. Musiala made Casemiro look. And I know I know Musiala is basically one of the best young attacking midfielders in the world right now. So I shouldn't be too harsh, but he made Casemiro look like he should be going to the Saudi League. Um, and I know I know we got a couple of goals at the end. It a positive, obviously. Hoyland got um, got his first goal, yeah, and it's just another loss. I think it's four in a row for United now. Um, Onana come out after the game, and fair play to him. He sort of he took responsibility for the for his mistake, etc. But the, like that, that happens in the twenty eighth minute. There was still a long way to go, and we didn't have to concede straight away. And then it just feels like United, there's just something sort of mentally weak about them at the minute. Because you go and score and you you sort of get a goal back and you, you're within one. You feel like it's game on again. And then Bayern just go, OK, yeah, we'll score again. And it's the same same again after after we got our second goal. So I don't know what you thought about math.
0: Murph. Yeah, uh, I think you're bang on, mate, in that that was one of those games where 4-3 looks like we gave a real good, like, account of ourselves and showing and for the first sort of 15 minutes, uh you'd say that we probably did. We probably should have been one nil up. I think Palestri should have got to the ball, be a great tackle from Davies and Erickson should have scored the rebound and we were getting corners and, and Regulon was looking looking bright going down the left. But yeah, just what what's really frustrating is on this podcast we seem to be talking about United so much. And it's not because it's two United fans on the show. It's just that every week there's a fixture or a result or a piece of news that is just dominating with them. Like four, three against Bayern Munich, three, one against Brighton, three, one against Arsenal, three, two against forest. There's no just sort of one, two nil victory. United get the job done, move on to the next fixture. No one needs to talk too much about it. We're just always sat here talking about, Oh, we looked okay in this part, but we looked bad here and there's real issues and this needs sorting out. And, off-field stuff so it's tough really to see where the uh where the kind of issues issues stop for united i'm hoping you know we'll come on to preview the games and maybe burnley away is a perfect opportunity for as i say a little one two nil on the next one but um yeah it's just it's just constant drama with them so laura i don't know what you think about kind of the the result and just the kind of state of where united are at of probably pretty similar to where you've been over the last few
2: weeks to be to be fair, I'm just looking at the Bayern Munich team and Upper Meccano, Kim, Goretzka, Kimmich, Sane, Musiala, Gnabry, Kane. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> I know there's a lot of uh, negativity to be said towards Man United at the moment, but I'm not sure we can... Um, I'm not sure that we have to go in too hard on them for losing 4-3 last night. A lot of the things that you've just said about it feels like, you know, the heads go down as soon as you concede a goal. And that that does come with not having the confidence within the team. But against Bayern Munich, when you've got that much quality, um, if you go and lose to Burnley on Saturday in a similar fashion, then all those things are justified. But I think just looking at... like I didn't watch it because Leeds won at the same time. But just looking at the team, um, I I think there's room for sympathy or empathy with man united last night but what i will say is i watched the last five minutes and i think i've discovered one of my favorite european footballers tell yeah oh yeah anyone anyone ever heard of him before yeah the commentator his name was like who and that finish right where it comes over just one touch bang in the roof of the net and then one of you boys i think it's you t gal put in the group chat oh like Onana, Butterfingers, or something like that, and you think, bloody hell, he's just smashed that into the roof of the net from about five yards out. So maybe that goes to show the sort of man, mindset of the Man United fans, and everything's a bit doom and gloom. But
1: that, that, that's the difference between. Gone. Sorry for interrupting, but that's the difference between Bayern and United. Where so Bayern have gone? They bought that tail last year from France when he was seventeen. He's eighteen now, and he looks like the real deal, and obviously will get better and better. But they they've not said. Right, let's let's hang our hat on him like we've done to Hoyland, who's a, another young striker. They've gone, mm-hmm. well we'll buy Harry Kane and and Mateus Tell can develop and grow and progress as the season goes on while Harry Kane's firing. Do you know what I mean? It feels like yeah. the sort of the, the difference between the two clubs, and you are right, he looked class by an R. Uh, well, I, I failed to say it earlier, but they're basically a di- like a class above United. And um, you're right, it it's all comes down to this Burnley game, to be honest, to see
2: to see how we get on there. And I think what you've just said was, and like I said, only what I think I watched from just after Casemiro oh. scored to make it, what would it have been, 3-2? Three, 3-2. Three, yeah, 3-2, yeah. right. It just felt like Bayern went, all right, we'll score another goal then. Do you know what I mean? That tail goal was just like, right no, 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 we're going to play again and we're just going to go and score. And that almost, like you said, the men v boys mentality, it was almost like that, wasn't it? So um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the things you've just said is quite right. But also, let's remember, you were away at Bayern Munich and 4-3 on another day might have been one goal either side and you get a point or something. But I take it from the majority or the lion's share of the game, Bayern Munich deserved to win.
1: They did, yeah. And just quickly, Murph, before we move on, because it'd be nice if we don't speak about United for once, but um, Sergio R- Reguillon had a great game at left back, I thought he looked um, he looked lively, positive made a couple of good chances early on in the first half as well which on another day if you take them and at the end of the day if you go to the Allianz Arena you've just got to take your chances and and we didn't and obviously we were made to pay for it but yeah he was a really big positive and so was Diogo Dalot. so a couple of positives and obviously Hoyland getting the goal um, but listen it's it's a it's a big uphill struggle now after four defeats in a row yeah we'll 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 come on to them and preview them uh v
0: burley in a little bit of detail but i I agree tomo there Regulon did look good albeit uh i think he looked good against brighton as well but as a fullback in a side that concedes seven goals in two games you probably can only be (laughs) yeah so good it's all well and good getting forward and whipping the ball in but uh we probably need to stem the flow of goals. Um so from a 4-3 game guys let's jump to a nil-nil, though but equally as interesting in 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 the game. Um Laurie, Newcastle got a point in Milan. I know that you watched that and impressed with Milan side.
2: Yeah, that was the biggest thing for me like I, I for some reason in my head I just have AC Milan as being dead now. Like, because they're not obviously not the team they were, like, 15, 20 years ago when, you know, the famous graphic of that team that they had with your Maldinis and your Nesters and your Kakas, etc. And I was just expecting to, probably like English Premier League arrogance, just expecting to watch it and, like, almost thought Newcastle would just breeze it. But they were really, really good. And I know this won't be breaking news, but that Liao's a player. Now, I don't watch I don't watch much European football. Do you know what I mean? I, I'm, I think I've probably shown my talents against you boys in the English game. But in European, I'm, I'm a novice. So, I only watch these players every now and again. And I really liked him. Um, I was surprised that Loftus-Cheek started for AC Milan, given that he's a Chelsea player. <laughs> um, and obviously, the left-back, Hernandez... Um, Yeah, he had a great game as well, didn't he? But I just thought, I mean, Newcastle were really, really lucky because I think they had my mentality. I think they went into that thing, and I know AC Milan is like Everton standard and just, they were like, oh, right, nine shots on target after 25 minutes. And I just thought they got caught a little bit and they had enough about them to keep them out. But on another day, if if AC Milan had their shooting boots on, it could have been an absolute rout because they missed an awful lot of opportunities and Nick Pope did well in goal. Um, but I really like that clip of Jacob Murphy before the game. Like he was a really surprised starter, wasn't he? Like I would have ex- imagined Almiron probably to start on the right for them, given his um, influence on the team last season. But they went with Murphy, and I thought he was one of the one of their better players. And him lining up, it was a bit like the um, Bassi one when he went to Ajax last year, his first Champions League game, taking it all in. It was nice to see. And at the end of the day, it was a really good result for Newcastle. So although Milan had the the better of it. It will be a point apiece, and they'll they'll have them back at St James's Park, and uh, maybe take them a bit, a bit more seriously.
0: Tomo, just on that um, one player I want to chat about because we spoke about England squads and uh, potential issues in midfield and at centre half. Just thoughts on Tamori in that game?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, he looks really good, didn't he? he kept um, He sat quiet for the most part, but Newcastle. I've seen, I don't want to give them any any stick, to be honest, because I think that was a great result. And I think six of the start and 11 was their first um, Champions League minutes. Um, so, and obviously, Tonali going back to San Siro, it seemed like the occasion got the better of him. It seemed like, especially in the first half, the occasion got the better of most of the players. And yet, they're coming away nil-nil. Great result. And like Lauro says, if you can get the sort of sneaker draw away from home, no matter where you play, really, unless it's against the proper minnows, which obviously, as we spoke about, they don't have any minnows in their group. Um, it's a great result. And then St- they take them back to St. James's Park and look to get the win. So, yeah, Tamori, he looked really good. But to be fair, right, every I know we, we sort of give Southgate a lot of stick and stuff and quite he gets a lot of stick on Twitter for not, for not sort of trusting Tamori, but... I watched him a couple times last year against Chelsea. I think it was against Chelsea. And he looked piss poor. So um and I know he had a great season the year before when they when they won the um Serie A title. So hopefully he just has another good season and then obviously um well let, let's just hope well, let's wait and see because obviously the Maguire thing with United we we need all the center-backs we can get for England. Um but yeah, on the game great result great result I think and um you just got to move on like in the Champions League and that sort of group is just a great result San is a tough place to go man
0: yeah this it was good for them it was good for them but I think that um on Tamori, I think that he you say he's looked like maybe not as great um in games against Chelsea but I think that he's someone who's obviously decided to leave England go and pursue game time and I do think that He's going to get a bit more coverage being in Newcastle's Champs League group. Um, Loftus Cheek will get exposure in that as well. People will be kind of keeping tabs on them just based on that Champs League group and be interesting to see if him and maybe Loftus Cheek have have thoughts on uh on going to the Euros in the summer. Uh, boys, I know we I know they're boring as hell. Um, and this is such a man city result, but um City won 3-1 uh against Red Star Belgrade. Uh, I think it was what an Alvarez, Alvarez brace. Um, part of that after going shot 1 0 down at half time. Um, highlight from that game was City fans singing Champions of Europe. You'll never sing that to the Serbian champions, who I think, won it three times in the 70s. Uh, but that's City fans, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Alvarez, he seems to be backing up all of the conversations that are being had about him starting in City week in, week out, and being an unbelievable player, scoring another brace. Uh, any thoughts on him going into either of your fantasy teams
1: he's already in mine and he'll and, mine. And it, be staying there for the foreseeable he looks unbelievable and his first goal was world class like where he just sort of shifts the ball quickly and then finishes from the tight angle it was um it was different Gravery, i really like watching him because he's one of those players who he works really hard but he's got the quality as well and um yeah just another i know it wasn't a um sort of a straightforward win cuz obviously they went 1-0 down but obviously at, at the etihad they created loads of chances and um you fully expected them to get that win didn't you
0: yeah they they were brilliant i actually watched a clip which was it was talking about the amount of chances that Harlan gets a game it showed all of his chances he had in this game and against west ham it's absolutely frightening the amount of times that Uh, he's in on goal or played in or crosses into the box. And obviously he's not been as um, proficient in front of goal in those two games, but you can see why he does score the goals he does. But City's group looks fairly easy. I think that they're going to go on and uh, get maximum points from that group, probably, Um, and we'll go deep in the competition. But um, obviously the perfect start for them. And then Arsenal. So Arsenal played same timers united yesterday so i didn't get to watch the game live but watching the highlights back looks like they absolutely put uh psv to to the sword and got their campaign off to a great start winning 4-0 i think the interesting point on that that we discussed on the last pod which didn't come to life was we thought raya started because ramsdale was starting champs league but looks like arteta went for raya again do you think that's now he's my number one until
2: further notice Laura? Yeah, I think it I, like I said last time, I think it always was. It was just waiting until he gets the opportunity. I'm not sure we'll ever see the like the likes of Aaron Ramsdale again.
1: Um <laughs> on well. on that, I've just got a question for you, boys. So, you know, because we we all think and I think the general consensus is is that Arteta basically just rates rare better, like higher than Ramsdale, and that uh, and he's sort of making all of this song and dance up in the press about like substituting goalies and having two strong goalies and etc cetera, etc cetera. but the reality is that rhea will be the number one if you're if you're Aaron, Aaron Ramsdale would you be a little bit like feel a little bit like put out or patronized by the fact that he's coming out and saying about all he's substituting during the game, etc. cetera? would would like because you wouldn't be happy about that, would you? You'd rather him just come out and say look, Raya's my number one
2: Yeah. I it's just such a weird one, but I just think that like I said before, I think um, Arteta just wants that keeper that can play. Like I'm not being, I might be in a bit um, ignorant here. Maybe Ramsdale's brilliant with his feet, but I I think of him as being like a shot-stopping goalkeeper. Right, I saw a clip of last night. Raya played this like defense-splitting pass through his own half that landed at the feet of Haberts, which he probably just doesn't think he's going to get from Aaron Ramsdale. And if he keeps doing things like that, there's just no way back for Aaron Ramsdale unless David Raya gets injured. Um, but it obviously the deal's structured in a loan, isn't it? And then can be made permanent at the end of the year. So maybe he just thought he'd trial it. But I reckon because he's got that kind of Pep influence, I just think he's got it in his head that he wants someone like David Raya between the sticks. And uh, unfortunately for for Aaron, who I think is a, a fan's favourite there, um, it means pastures new because he ain't going to stay there being number two, is he?
1: No. And the question, and the question I also would like to ask you is this. Is Aaron Ramsdale a Premier League, Champions League winning goalkeeper? Potentially not, but and I don't think Arteta feels that way. Is he a Champions League goalkeeper, top four goalkeeper? Maybe, but is he that that goalkeeper that can take you to the next level? Which Arsenal, obviously, they're at the level of the top four Champions League already. So, do they need? Do you know what I mean? Do, oh, has-
0: he- I was always stunned with the Ramsdale move, if I'm honest. And I know, I know, he made some good saves last year. There's sort, I think, I've, I think I remember him at like Everton or something like that somewhere. Just made an absolute unbelievable save. But I, during COVID, when he was in goal for Bournemouth, and I know, I know that he was in goal for Bournemouth, but I just remember him shipping goal after goal after goal. So I, I was always shocked at that move to Arsenal. Um, he might not be a Champions League winning goalkeeper, but I don't know what what that is now, I don't know, some of the keepers that would have won the Champs League pre- previously, maybe you'd say the same but Onana went close last year for God's sake, but um, <laughs> yeah, I just I think that CL's right, I think he's he's born out of the Pep School of Excellence he wants a keeper that's not too worried about shot stopping, more about playing out with his feet, um, doesn't look like rise particularly bad at shot stopping either, so I think I think we're probably all agreeing <laughs> that it's uh, not looking great for Aaron.
2: But the, the other thing as well is Southgate hasn't got Ramsdale as his number one, has he? He prefers Jordan Pickford yeah. from Everton, who's obviously had a, a really good England career in the last five or six years. But I suppose it's a good point. If, you, if you're if you going to be a Champions League winning Premier League winning goalkeeper that Arsenal are aspiring to be at the moment, you really you want to be number one for your country. I don't know if Derrick is number one for Spain, is he? Well, Do you know I don't I don't
0: think that he starts for them. I'm sure he's been in squads because De Gea doesn't get anywhere near the Spain squad, does he? But I think there's like Simon, it might be, or something like that, a Spanish yeah. keeper. But I think Raya's in amongst the squads, similar to Ramsdale. But you, you are bang on. You'd, if he went on to win the Prem and Champs League, then he should be starting for his country, shouldn't he? So, um, and Ramsdale just isn't doing that. And, Some might say maybe would even be behind a couple other keepers. So, um, yeah, but great win for Arsenal. Um, Main protagonist getting goals for them. Uh, Their group looks fairly straightforward for them as well, I think. So they'll be happy with that. But, boys, let's move straight on and carry on with Arsenal because coming up next is probably biggest game of the season so far. Um, North London derby against Spurs two teams who've made great starts to the season spurs probably more surprising than arsenal with just how how good they are but um Laura, come to you
2: what are your thoughts on that one well may surprise a few people this one but i do i do think arsenal are going to win um as much as i love everything that's happening at tottenham with the manager and the players the way they're playing etc i i think arsenal are class i'm a real big fan of what they're doing as well and i think although a lot of their wins this season feel like they're grinding them out rather than blowing teams away. If you look beneath that, I think a lot of the football that they're playing is very, very good. And teams are having to try and contain Everton being a prime example. And sometimes that can make it harder to get the four or five nils. But Arteta, I think, listens to the podcast because he has reverted back, has a need to Gabriel and Saliba um, <laughs> at centre-half and put uh, put Ben White at right back. And I don't know why he wouldn't do that. It, their defence was brilliant doing that last season. Zinchenko at left-back, that's fine. But again, I think a, a massive thing for them, and at, at home obviously the onus is on them, particularly being title challengers. Are they going to go with Havertz in midfield, um, or are they going to change it as they did recently? Havertz played last night, didn't he? But they had been bringing in Vieira, uh, I think, started at the weekend, didn't he? So well, it, he's obviously managing Havertz sort of uh, introduction into the team. But it'd be interesting. Apparently, he had a really good game last night, Kai Havertz, and I would like to see the fruits of Arteta's labour with him in that kind of eight role and him progressing to a really good player because it feels like he's been in the Prem ages now and not really done anything. So, interested to see if he starts. Um Trossard looks really good every time he plays at the moment. I think he had another good game last night. Scored an amazing goal against Everton at the weekend. And I just fancy them at home with the form they're in just to be a little bit better than Tottenham. But one thing I will just before we go on to, to uh well-thought-out opinions. Son put out a... uh I think he might have been on football tweet, actually. He said something like, yeah, I wouldn't want to be Arsenal at the weekend because we're all running for each Everyone's running for each other. Everyone's fighting for each other. And I just thought to myself, well, that clip probably shows you what was wrong with Spurs in the last four or five years when they haven't done anything, because that should be bare minimum, Sonny. And if you're only just realising that now, um, then just another, I think, doff of the cap to Antipostocogli for bringing a group of players together that didn't realise they had to run for each other but um yeah i th- i think it'll be a really good game probably the most anticipated north london derby in a while but i see arsenal coming out on top in a lively one like 3-2 so
1: yeah it'll be a, it's a really tough game to call isn't it because you've got um I've sort of at the start of the week i sort of edged tottenham because they they had the whole week to train for it and obviously arsenal had a, I always thought it was a difficult fixture on paper in psv but the fact that they went and beaten 4-0 at home. It was, it was a sort of a an it was an easy game in the end and sort of a perfect warm-up for the North London derby. And I just had a quick look then. I think Arsenal have won the last three games at the Emirates against Tottenham. So you'd think that the home advantage would be a big thing. Tottenham obviously playing really well. I just it's difficult to call but I'm sort of with Loro. I do think Arsenal will edge it um, the home record being the main reason. Um, so I'm actually going to go exactly the same as Lario
0: 3-2. Nice. I uh, I agree with you. I thought that PSV would be a slightly harder game than what it was last night, and therefore a bit of midweek kind of game in the legs for Arsenal. But they were able to bring off Trossard, Zinchenko, Jesus, Saka and Declan Rice last night, all within 70 minutes or 75 minutes. So um, Declan Rice being the last one to come off. So... Uh, I think that they got the job done perfectly there. Great result for them. Um, I think it's going to be one all though. I think it's going to be one of those cagey games where uh, neither side really want to lose. I I think a North London Derby loss would halt the momentum of both sides' seasons. I think it might be quite cagey in spells. And I just think uh, neither manager would say that they would take it now. But I think if, if both had one all and went on to the next one without a loss, uh, and moved on to, to a, I presume, an easier fixture off the back of that. I think both might just take it. So I think one all in that one. Um, Just very quickly before we move on, boys, just as a, and obviously, Lauro, thinking about this from a Leeds perspective, Tomo United, but it might be Leeds and United's a good example for this, actually. I saw that Son and Saka were having photos together at like a, was it London Fashion Week or Milan Fashion Week or something like that. Um, In a build-up to your biggest rival's, Kind of derby game. Would you have any issues with your star player kind of sitting with the opposition star player, having photos at fashion week, or not
1: read too much into that? I've not really. No, like these, the sort of like the the Premier League footballing community, like the players, they're in such a bubble now, aren't they? They they only hang out with each other. Like the the Man, Man City players are, are friends with Man United players, and Liverpool players are friends. Do you know what I mean? They're all just mates and. And I think actually, I think the Sonny um, Saka one. I think they might be sponsored by Burberry or something ridiculous like that. So I ain't got no issues with it. I mean, I know Twitter sort of jump on it and stuff, but nah, it's, it's not that. It's not that deep, bro. It's not that deep.
2: Yeah. It's, it's moved on, it's, that's just what football's like these days, but back in the day I think it would have been an interesting proposition to see Lee Bowyer sat by uh, Jason Park's side at London Fashion Week before <laughs> before a big uh, across the Pennines derby but I don't, it's not like it used to be is it, all these, they're all mates with each other they? and I don't think it really matters
0: Yeah, fair enough fair enough, so yeah boys intrigued to see that one, can't wait to uh, to watch that on, on Sunday um, we'll move on uh, another fairly big game, actually, in regards to positions in the table. Liverpool in third, um, host sixth place, West Ham. Um, probably looks like a home win for Liverpool of how they started, but been made a little bit spicier by um, Mikel Antonio's comments on his podcast. I think he said that he backs himself against Liverpool and fancies West Ham to finish above them this year. Uh, Tomo, do you give West Ham much, much, much hope at Anfield?
1: I'm just having a look at the um, their previous results at Anfield results at Anfield, and they've lost six in a row. West Ham, um, so it's a big shout from Mikel Antonio on his podcast. I know I listened to that, and if they were playing at home, I would fancy West Ham for some, just because just for the sort of home advantage. But yeah, it'd be it'd be a difficult one for them. But you never know. Like it, it's going to be basically Liverpool keeping the ball. And West Ham sitting in, and we we know West Ham like to do that. Um, But, yeah, listen, I predict predict a a comfortable Liverpool win. I'm going to go 2-0, and I I think Darwin Nunes will start and score.
2: Everyone listening to this podcast, empty your wallets and put it all on draw. I guarantee you that game is a draw. I guarantee it. There is no way Marco Antonio can make those kind of comments and come away with nothing. But I think we've got to face up to the fact that I think to beat Liverpool at Anfield, you've got to score three, really. And I don't think West Ham are going to do that. So, And if they do, I think Liverpool will too. So, is it on telly, that one? There's loads at two o'clock, isn't there? on I don't think it is. So no one's going to be able to watch it. But I guarantee you now, it will be a draw. And if I had to tell you which one it will be, it would be a Desmond. But I don't have much more insight into... Other than what Tomo's just said, you expect Liverpool are obviously favourites, but Antonio's got a lot of backing up to do now, and I can't see him walking walking out of Anfield with without without anything on Sunday. So, million percent a draw.
1: Yeah, can I tell a quick rant actually about that? So Sky, in their wisdom, have decided to choose Sheffield United versus Newcastle at four thirty instead of instead of Liverpool West Ham. It's absolutely insane, and I know actually. Um, the reports this week are that they'll be they'll start doing a six thirty um, Sky Sports or BT Sport game on TV. So um, hopefully that comes quickly because Jesus. Oh, and do you know what? Actually, I know I'm gonna a couple of Newcastle fans listen to this podcast, and it pisses me off how often they're on TV. Like, why are they on TV? Sheffield United away? It's a terrible game.
0: Yeah,
2: but anyway, no, I really over.
0: I'm, I'd only say that. You know, we've got four games on at two o'clock on Sunday, but uh, this evening you've got Liverpool and West Ham both in Europa League, Aston Villa in uh, Conference League, Brighton in Europa League. So I'd imagine that Arsenal, Tottenham and Sheffield United, Newcastle was initially Super Sunday and then all of these Europa League fixtures have moved over. But yeah,
1: so so they've moved over from 3 p.m. Haven't they? Yeah,
0: I mean, so Liverpool West Ham. You then might say, why is it a three pm Saturday game? Um, yeah. Based on what the Saturday TV games are. So, I mean, we discuss it every week, don't I? I imagine each team's got have a certain quota of games, but Newcastle seems to be every single game. Yeah, indeed. Um, right. So, I think with that one, uh, I think Liverpool will win that. I think they'll win it fairly handsomely as long as they come through this evening unscathed, uh, injury wise. Bar in any major injuries, but looks like Salah's not playing. Uh, they've got Diaz and Nunes, and they've got Endo, Gravenback, Harvey Elliott. So um, uh, Robinson, um, Robertson's not playing Simicass is. So it uh, looks like they're resting up a fair few of them. They're players in Europa League. So I don't think they'll be too fatigued. I think West Ham will have to go stronger tonight, and therefore I think Liverpool will dominate that game and and win, win quite handsomely. Uh, Moving on to another game on Sunday. So 14th place Chelsea host 7th place Villa. Um, I actually don't really give Chelsea much of a hope in this game beyond the fact that Villa are playing tonight. Um, I know that that's absolutely ludicrous, but we obviously talked earlier in the week in length about the, uh, the fixtures and the Opta fixtures for the first five games and Chelsea having the easiest ones. I just fancy Villa to go to Stamford Bridge, run all over them. Chelsea are toothless in front of goal, um, and I really don't think it would be any sort of shock if Villa went and won at Stamford Bridge. Thomas,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. I just they they beat um, Chelsea at the end of last season, didn't they, at Stamford Bridge two 0 and I'm going to go for something similar. Like, um, what I will say is though, we are recording this podcast before we've seen their starting eleven. For tonight's game in Poland, and because you sort of think that they would, they would play um, not not like the backups, but sort of they'd make a few changes. Do you want that lineup, Tomo? Oh, has it come out? Has it? Go on.
0: Yeah, ah, oh, it's not in position uh, for it, but I'll read through the list that you got here: Leon Bailey, Callum Chambers, Luca Digne, Duran, uh, Kamara, Konza, Longley, Emi Martinez, John McGinn, Yuri Tielemans. And Zaniolo. um, Yeah, so
1: so right. So just quickly from that, so they've made five or six changes from their sort of starting eleven, which makes me think that they'll go to Stamford Bridge on Sunday and win comfortably.
0: Yeah, no Matty Cash, no DRB, no Douglas Luiz, no Jacob Ramsey, no Paul Torres, no Ollie Watkins in that starting eleven.
1: Yep. So. Yeah, i just think Musa Diaby and Ollie Watkins, right? He's he's been in my FPL team since day <laughs> 1 and he's had he's basically an assist merchant which make and I've had a, a couple of issues in my team this week so I can't take him out again. So, but it feels like he's going to blow at some stage, so hopefully he gets a brace on Sunday at Stamford Bridge. That's my prediction, 2-0. I
2: I've, I've just told everyone to empty their wallets on the draw in the Liverpool game somewhat abruptly. Cash out, right? <laughs> and have a look at Aston Villa's odds to beat Chelsea on Sunday. Go three, on. Three three to one. Wow. Three to one. The, Aston Villa are better than Chelsea. Even on paper, I think they're better than Chelsea. The only the only good thing I can say about this for Chelsea is because they're so crap at breaking teams down and putting the ball in the back of the net, I don't think Villa go there with any respect. Most teams will go to Chelsea, won't they? Years gone by or even this season. Um, Forrest, for instance, go sit behind the ball and try and break. I don't think Villa do that. I think Villa play this like a game that they should win and maybe that'll leave um, a, a little bit more space for, for Chelsea to expose going forward. I think I think there'll be goals in that game, um, funnily enough, considering it's Chelsea. But yeah, I fancy Villa. Like I, I, God knows where they've got that price of a three to one. Get everything on it. So I think so far, if
0: you were to get West Ham Liverpool draw in a double with Villa to win at Chelsea, you're starting to make some serious money there. Um, Yeah. Wowzers. Which if I emptied my wallet would mean I'd get about 180 quid back. So happy days. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I think full house there boys Villa to win at Chelsea. Um, And I don't think it's a shock as I called earlier Uh, moving on. So we're uh, unfortunately have to come back and visit United Tomo. So uh, 8 PM on Saturday. We go to Turf Moor, 19th place Burnley, take on 13th place United. Uh, Vincent Company's kind of come out today and, and said he knows how Eric Ten Hag uh, feels about losing games at a big club. Obviously, with him being at uh Anderlech, who are a big club in that league, but also at City for the years and the pressure that comes with losing games. But I can't really think of a fixture where two managers need more of a win uh, than this one. Uh, it, it seems like Burnley are desperate for three points, but I don't think Tenard can go and win another, uh, lose another game in a row.
1: No, you are right. I don't, I don't actually think there's that much pressure on company to be honest. Obviously he will be putting some pressure on himself. I thought, I don't know what you boys thought of Monday night football, but I thought Burnley looked better. They brought in um Charlie Taylor and Josh Brownhill to the start eleven. 11, little bit of experience shored up a bit. Um, they look better, basically. And I I just, my prediction for this game will be two-all draw. Um, I just think Burnley will, United look feeble, basically. They look very vulnerable. So I think Burnley will get some joy against us. But um also, we've got Hoyland, Rashford and um, Bruno Fernandez, So I think we'll get a couple goals. Uh, but I think we'll concede. Like, I can just see sort of, Eric Ten Hag after the game in the post-match press conference sort of trying to dress it up as a bit of a positive that we've gone to Burnley and Drew. Um, but I'm looking forward to that game, to be honest. I'm not really sure why it's Saturday at 8pm, but um, Mrs. isn't too happy about it either. But, but I'm looking forward to that game. Just hope hope we get some sort of positive result as a United fan. Laurie? Yeah,
2: I, I mean... And I quote, t we've got Hoyland, Rashford and Bruno. That just won't cut it. <laughs> I, I, I hate the game for you. I hate it. Especially at Turf Moor. I, I just, like you said, I was, they were better on Monday night. They looked more organised. They, they brought Charlie Taylor back in for the worst left-back that I've ever seen in the Premier League. Can't remember his name. New lad that was playing for Burnley before. Terrible. One saving grace is obviously Lyle Foster will be injured because he's their leading man at the moment.
1: Suspended. You mean, but."
2: Suspended, yeah. What, what did I say? Injured, sorry. Sorry, sorry, he'll be out. My, my mistake, Tigo. <laughs> um, Dooney, Craig Bellamy's come out and said am is levels and levels and levels. And I think he was doing bits at a club in Europe before. So uh, I feel like they've turned the corner and they'll be looking at Man United thinking, fancy that, fancy three points there. And United, are, I mean, I didn't want to bash them too much for losing 4-3 in Bayern Munich, but let's look at the Premier League performances. It's a bit soft-centred at the moment, isn't it? And I don't think we've got Hoyland, Bruno and Rashford's quite going to cut it at a leary turf more under the lights on Saturday night. You know it's it what... a revved-up, claret side.
1: Do you know what's funny about that is when I was reeling off Rashford, Hoyland and and then I was thinking I was thinking of the right winger that we were going to play and I was like, who are we going to play? And I was like, oh, well, better just name Bruno then. So that says it all, really. I was struggling to think of three attacking great
2: players for United. Rashford um, on his last, last chance saloon in my fantasy football team, fraud. And
0: mine, and mine 100%. He, he, look, his body language has looked absolutely terrible so far this season in just large spells. And I thought the same of it, uh, same of it yesterday as well. So I will just say on that game, chaps, that I'm going to try and have a bit of a positive spin because I'm so negative about United. It looks like Varan and Mount have been training and will be coming back in and didn't travel to Munich to concentrate on getting fit for that game. I don't know if Amrabat's going to come back in, but he's back training on, on grass. Uh, Kobe Mainu, look, he's really young. I think he's going to be part of the plans, though. He's starting to come in, which will be another midfield option. Uh, Hodgland or Hoyland's look very bright so far in his time. He maybe should have scored against Brighton, uh, had his one disallowed, looked bright against Arsenal, scored last night in the Allianz. Hopefully he can get a bit of a run and, and start him and Rashford start to build a bit of a partnership. Um, and Regulon looked better than expected going forward, albeit, as I said earlier, have conceded 7-2 and two, and he's one of the defenders. So I'm trying to just have a bit of a positive spin on United and I'm just hoping that, as I said earlier, it's one of those games where there's not too much to talk about. We've just won 2-0 and it was fairly
2: comfortable. Laurie? Yeah, just to go back to negativity around Man United, um, I think it was Graham Souness. Interesting comment made this week. don't know if you've heard it. He said... One of the reasons it's so hard to score as a striker for Man United is because on one wing, you've got Rashford, who all he wants to do is cut in and shoot all the time. Obviously, he's a right footer and he will only play on the left and he hates playing on the right. And one of those reasons, I think he said something about he doesn't know how to do the runs properly, but it's probably because he's got less chance of scoring. And now that you've got problems over on the right wing, where either your wing is banged up or exiled or whatever, or training with the resis, you've got a weak winger on that side as well. Do you agree with that, that Rashford's detrimental in terms of the striking options at Man United.
0: Yeah, I I do actually. I think that if you have a team where wingers are your main men, so let's go back to the Liverpool side, you then have to have a striker who isn't scoring goals in Firmino or only scoring a few and he's he's Mm. selfless in the work he does for Mane and Salah. Even Man City last year, albeit Haaland got off to a very different start You'd have games, wouldn't you, where like Foden didn't square one to Haaland for his hat-trick and Pep would come out and say, oh no, my wingers need to get used now to having a striker back in the box. They had that little period in between Aguero, didn't they, where they were playing like a Sterling, Mm. a false nine, or a Foden, a false nine. And I think that we haven't got a winger on that right-hand side at the minute. I don't know what this palestri is going to be like. He's young. We probably can't start thinking about that right now. We haven't got some of that right wing who's going to cross the ball in for the striker. And as you say, you've got Rashford, who all he wants to do is cut in and bang it, not square it across the box. He He's talked, honey, he, with Gary Neville about how he wants to chase down Rooney's record and be 30-goal a season, which, if you're a striker in the middle, means that your wingers then not going to be passing to you because he's hell-bent on scoring himself. So, yeah, I think it's a, a really actually well-thought-out point from someone who's I normally don't respect the opinion of Ingraham Sinner.
1: Can, can I just um stick up for Rashford a little bit? Just because yeah, I do agree that he does do that a lot, but last season that he, there was a heavy over reliance on Rashford doing that basically every game. Um we've not really had a proper striker, have we, for a long time. Um you're looking at Weghorse last year, at the end of last year. So Rashford obviously sort of changed his game or maybe he's always been like that, but where basically he feels like the responsibility is all on him. So now we've got Hoyland who obviously there's a lot of potential there, but um, so maybe it will be just a case of them two getting used to each other, Rashford getting used to his runs. And then potentially over the course of the season, we'll see Rashford become more of a traditional winger who will chip in with goals and obviously assist Hoyland. But, um, definitely one to watch. There was there was one little um situation in the buying game where he he sort of cut back onto his right foot and all he had to do was sort of cross it in quite hard for Hoyland and he whipped it as a shot and the goalkeeper saved it. And I just thought that is a good example of of what you're saying there, Loro, or what Graham Soonest was saying. But yeah, look, give it time, give Rashford time. I do agree with you about his body language. It looks like he's thought, "I've signed that five-year deal, three hundred and fifty grand a week." That's me done for a couple of seasons, but um, but say at the same time, he he is our most sort of electric player at the minute, and we we need him. We rely on him.
0: What one thing that I do think we might try in the coming weeks, if if Amrabat's going to come in next to Casemiro mm-hmm. and then Bruno, I think Mason Mount might play out on the right-hand side for United, and then. He might be someone who then is getting the ball into the box for the striker. I'll be interested to see if we try that. I know we had some success doing it at Chelsea, albeit we did sign him as a centre midfielder, I think, if we're honest. I think Amra Bat's been a reactionary um based off, off our midfield display so far. But I think he might go out there for a bit. So potentially he might be a, a, a good link up for, for Hoyland out there. Um, but yeah, as I say, I just hoping that we can go through and be on Monday's pod where we're just like job done for United 2-0, go on to now. I think we got Palace back to back in uh, the League Cup and then the League before Galatasaray. I just want like a month now of just chill out for United where we're not doing this every week about another drama and another injury. Um, Boys, move on then. Uh, Man City, obviously top of the table, as they always are. But they've got Forrest coming to them, who've given some spirited away performances at Arsenal and United, albeit not got anything. Uh, Monday Night Football, I thought they probably should have uh, got all three against uh, Burnley. And we are obviously head fans of Taylor Womley and uh, Morgan Gibbs-White. Can anyone give me any reason why Forrest might get
1: something at the had? Absolutely not. I've just had a look there and if you cast your mind back to last August, uh, last year, um, in the same fixture, City won 6-0. Um, yeah, Erling Haaland got a hat-trick and Julian Alvarez scored two. And I can't, I I think I might bet on that sort of same thing. Sort of 6-0, Alvarez, Brace, Haaland, hat-trick. I just think they'll be too strong. Um, and that's the sort of only insight I've got to offer into that game.
2: Well, once a season, normally once a season, City will have a random one at home that they lose. Do you remember like Townsend that won the volley, and I think Everton got a point there last year. I can't remember anyone. Uh, Brentford beat them last year. Get better side. They normally lose one or two that you don't like. If they lose at home, it ain't normally like to Arsenal. It's to like Forest. Do you know what I mean? Not them, but a team of that calibre. So if you want, if you wanted me to build a case for. Steve Cooper's men going there and getting something. That would be it. Probably law of averages. They haven't lost a point yet. And they've got good attacking players. We talk about Morgan Gibbs, White and Eamon um, E. Callum Hudson-Odoi had a good game on Monday as well and looked quite lively. And they've got Alanga as well. So, you yeah. know, a lot I don't know if he's injured now, but a, a lot of pace and um sort of flair going forward, but I just it's at the other end, isn't it? They're just too hot to handle City and it probably like like you say, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-nil.
1: And it does feel it does feel like before you before you move on, it does feel like Haaland's sort of waiting to get that hat trick again, isn't he? Because you're saying he's missed quite a lot of chances in the last two games. And even though City have won those two games as a striker you know it, Murph. Like he'll be going home pissed off, won't he? Because he's only scored one, and he obviously didn't score against um, Red Star. So, yeah, I, isn't I, it mental?
0: Gone. I was just going to say I, I didn't really think it would be me delving into the mindset of Erling Haaland and being spoken <laughs> about in the same category. But uh, yeah, as as a fellow striker, yeah, if I miss three or four, I do tend to be a bit pissed off at home, regardless of if we've won.
2: That's what I was going to say, though. With a normal striker, it's like, oh, they'll be pissed off. They haven't scored in two or three games. Like maybe Ollie Watkins, like desperate to get a goal. With Haaland, it's, oh, he'll be pissed off. He ain't got a hat trick. (laughs) The the cheek of that. But that's how it is with him, isn't it? And that's why, you know, I never want to talk about it. If I speak, I'm in big trouble.
0: (laughs) um, Just a couple points on that. Hey, yeah, going back to that clip. If I'll, I'll send it to you boys to watch, and maybe Tomo, you can get it up on Footy Tweet for our listeners. But it, it's got to be at least fifteen chances that Haaland would probably take across two games normally, and that's just scary that he's getting that service in and out. And I think there was someone who quote tweeted it saying about other strikers in the Prem would need ten fixtures to get those amount of chances. He just has yeah. constant service, and so he only needs to score. Two of them,
2: but, but he also he he also has teleportation. He just yeah. appears, doesn't he? Like you don't ever see him. He just appears at the right place at the right time. It's like whack. One little mistake is in the roof of the net before the commentators even had a chance to tell us what's happening. It's a complete yeah. embarrassment joke. And what's really really frustrating as well is, as a United fan
0: and a football fan, you want nothing but City to to drop points and lose, but then. Tomo goes, oh, they won 6-0 in this fixture last year. Harlan got a brace. and uh, Harlan got a Hattie and Alvarez got a brace. And I'm sat there looking at my FPL strikers, both of them up there thinking, we'll have a bit of that. But (laughs) that's life as FPL, unfortunately. We're supporting a Prem team. Um, Boys, we'll move on to the rest of the fixtures. Uh, 11th place, Brentford hosts. 18th place, Everton. Um, Everton, obviously, absolutely desperate for a win there. I'd imagine Sean Dyshon, thin ice. Um, just very, very quickly. Uh, I fancy Brentford to win that. Any other thoughts from you, boys? Brentford Absolute won for me.
1: Top. Brentford
0: yeah, win. Me yeah, for, clean sweep there. Uh, 19th place, Sheffield United, uh, host 12th place, Newcastle. I mean, the only thing you could say about that is Newcastle had a tricky fixture midweek and they did look really leggy. Uh, Isaac looked leggy, long staff, look. Levy, uh, Leggy, but they've got that squad rotation that they can bring, can't they, to maybe get something? Um, at, at Sheffield United.
1: Yeah, the only no, thing I, got, I think that's. So I was going to say the only thing I've got to add to that game is that, or add to that is that it shouldn't be on TV. It should be nowhere <laughs> near TV. Um, but Sheffield United looks like like they. I I know they've lost a few and they 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 got beat at um Tottenham last week, but. Gus Hamer's looking good, isn't he? And they've got Cameron Archer. So, you never know. You never know. Um,
2: no, I think that's a big point about that. They, they, they didn't look leggy. They looked absolutely fucked, didn't they, at the end of that AC Milan yeah, game? Yeah, And, uh, you know, after the sort of heck and bottom drama over the weekend and stuff, they'll be fired right after that. That's a horrible fixture. I wouldn't be surprised if the Blades win that.
0: Yeah, that interesting game. I I fancy Newcastle personally, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see them slip up there. Uh, Fifth place, Brighton. uh, Host 15th place, Bournemouth. Brighton be looking to to get another victory there. I fancy them to go on and do that and and extend their good form. But they are playing again tonight um, in Europa League. And I know that uh, Deserby said how buzzing the squad is to be playing in that fixture. So it'll be interesting to see if their league form... Uh, takes a bit of a dip, but I think we spoke on the last podcast, didn't we, that they seem to not have full strength out against United and we're still class above. So he looks like he's got all those players playing in that squad. Yeah, um, on,
1: Murph, just quickly. The only yeah, thing go was, on. We will say about Brighton is that they do have like a weird result in them, don't they? Like where they, they obviously already lost um, to West Ham this season. And at the end of last season, they got spun, didn't they? By Everton. Um was that 5-1 or 5-0 or something ridiculous so you just don't know how these players are going to react to the Thursday Sunday sort of like games of the Europa League so you never know but um we'll see that is that's a good that's a good fixture to be fair because even though Bournemouth haven't got the results that they've potentially their performances have warranted they've looked half decent um under their new manager so that's a good fixture
0: yeah i'm i'm going brighton to win that fairly handsomely and Esther Pinion, Matoma and Ferguson really, really need to get me out of the shit if possible. Uh, And then just the other two fixtures, guys, probably last on match of the day, barring a uh, a barnstormer of a game. Uh, Ninth place Palace take on 10th place Fulham, both made great starts um, this season, I think, based on their league positions. Um, London derby, I guess, but I fancy that to be a low score draw. And then trying to think if there's a worse fixture in the league this year can't 20th place Luton host 16th place Wolves uh which apparently if it's goalless match to the day have said they're just not even going to bother with um they're just going to drag it completely because it's just offensive to even show it but obviously I thought I'm not going to change my thoughts on Luton going down least points ever Wolves will probably be looking at that thinking we've got to win that. That is a must win for them if they've got aspirations of staying up. We'll move on to the championship. Laura, I'm going to come straight to you to uh, preview and review Leeds. So uh, last night, while everyone else was watching Bayern Munich 4, Manchester United 3, you were watching whole nil, Leeds nil. Is that correct?
2: (laughs) I was indeed. I was watching that with great intrigue. vigour and I was again very very happy with Daniel Farker's men let me throw some stats at you about this game 17 shots for Leeds 4 on target and that was the story of the game we absolutely dominated it until the 60th minute when Joe Rodon, who I think is one of the best centre-backs I've ever seen in the Championship, based on the few games I've seen him play for Leeds, having a great game, goes and gets the second yellow card. It was one of them where the first one was never a yellow, but then you got to be careful when the second one was and he was gone. So most annoying thing about that is that that was a, a game we would have won, probably, if he had stayed on. And also, he's going to miss Watford at home at the weekend now. But another, I thought it was a really good display again. Rutter missed a... Um, a guilt-edged one-on-one that he should have scored. But if anyone wants to watch the highlights of that game, in the 89th minute, and this is why it was a good point in the end for Leeds, whole city missed the worst chance you'll ever see. I think it might have been you, Teague, Football Tweet, or one of your rivals, did a compilation of the worst misses in history the other day, and this this would have won it. It was honestly point black range, crossed across, uh, uh, played a cross goal, the keeper was nowhere, and he hit the post. And... It was that was as good as good as a goal for us. So another really good performance, although it may not look like it. But remember, Hull turned over Leicester this year, away from home. They're a good side. And yeah, it's a really good point if we go and beat Watford at the weekend.
0: So you you um have Watford at the weekend are in 14th. They had a two all draw with West Brom, but both those sides are flattering to deceive so far. Um must be fancy in Leeds to to put them to the sword and score some goals at the weekend then.
2: Yeah, I just, I just, it's so annoying that Rodon's out because he's hes looked really, really good. But Liam Cooper come on for him. So it's probably going to be Liam Cooper and Pascal strout which you'd hope would be enough for Wal- uh, Watford at home. But they've got a bit of quality in their team. And like I said, flatter to deceive, they they really should be higher in terms of looking at their team. Really weird, though, Watford. You know how bad they are with sacking managers? And this time last season, they sacked Rob Edwards after giving him like a five-year deal or whatever and saying he'll, he'll be our manager forever. This year, they've had what I would probably say is a worse start, and uh, uh Valerie Ishmael, and they're talking about giving him like an updated contract already, and he signed in the summer. So, scattergun from them. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure if uh, they know what they're doing at Vicarage Road at the moment. So, I would, I would definitely anticipate us beating them at the weekend. But I will just say, Leicester played Norwich last night at Carrow Road, and I was really, really thinking that that would be a, a home win, to be honest with you. You can't just beat everyone in the Championship, but a little bit worried about that because you you can't be brushing Norwich aside two nil away from home on a on a Tuesday Wednesday night. So yeah, fancy leads at the weekend. Pleased with them last night. Slightly worried about how good Leicester are.
0: Yeah, uh, coming on to them actually, uh, as you say, beat Norwich two nil uh, last night. Great result for them. But they do host informed Bristol City. Are up to fifth now. They seem to be uh, climbing up through the table. So team fairly close to us. Hopefully uh, they can go and get something at Leicester but but they do look really strong. Um, you Nigel know, Piazza
2: back to his old club as well, so a little bit of beef on that one.
0: Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they can get uh, something Bristol City and just uh, make it interesting. Um, Preston go to Rotherham. I think that'll be another three points for Preston, albeit you can never bank too much on the Championship and that's the type of game where Rotherham will suddenly uh, go and get something. But yeah tomo you must have done some research because you want to come
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah to be fair i did i did on preston just because obviously they won again 19 points from a possible 21 um ryan lowe doing a great job there but so i i I tried to basically do a little bit of research to see how their stats sort of um compared to their results and um basically they're they're sort of outperforming their stats quite a lot, to be fair. I'll just have a look at... I know you love the XG stats, Loro, so I'll give you this one. They're basically... 12, I think maybe 19th out of the whole championship for XG, which is expected goals, which means they're not... They're not creating an awful lot, but they're doing really well to take those chances. They've basically got an XG of 6.82 and they've scored 12. So, and you and we were talking before the pod, they've, they've made their three big sort of summer signings, which was, um, Dwayne Holmes. Who was it? Oh, Will Keane. And, um, this mad Frockier Jensen. And, um, they've all done really well for them. Will Keane scored four goals and got one assist in five championship games. Um, obviously a bit of a Man United link there. So nice to see him doing well. And, um, and it's just nice to see a sort of a team who don't expect to be up there. Um, Doing so well, and obviously, we spoke a lot, haven't we, in the previous pods about how strong a championship is this season? So it's nice to see them them top the table. And they haven't been in the top flight for 63 years, so um, long may it continue. And like you said, they've got Rotherham on the weekend. I think they let me just quickly get it up because I had their fixtures up just now. They, then they've got at home to West Brom, which is you'd say they're both winnable games, and then they've got a big one away at, Prest- uh, away at Leicester. So that'll be the one potentially where you're looking at going that'll really test their title credentials or their promotion credentials. But yeah, onwards and upwards for Preston.
2: Thanks, Tigo. And I will just say on Preston as well, it's a good example of, I say about the managers in the championship, longevity is important. Sort of, early to the middle of last season, maybe all throughout last season, a lot of Preston fans getting on Ryan Lowe's back, maybe not the most exhilarating brand of football, but when you're not competing financially with the big boys in the league, you need to find a way to win. And that's what he does. And if if they can make it more one nils this season than nil nils, they will find themselves up there and they could be able to do a Luton or something like that. I don't think they'll sustain it enough to beat the likes of Leicester and Leeds and, maybe even like your Norwiches and Sunderland who are impressing me at the moment. But I think that it could be that team like your Luton, maybe like your Coventry a little bit who, uh, who get into the playoffs this year. So thanks for the Preston segment.
0: Yeah. I enjoyed that. And yeah, it'd be good for you to just have sort of Preston corner for the rest of the, uh, rest of the season. <laughs> um, so they do go to Leicester soon and then straight after they go to Ipswich another side that are absolutely flying. Uh, they won at Saints one uh, nil midweek um McKenna obviously was spoken about I don't know if you guys saw Ollie's interview that he's done but he spoke about Carrick and McKenna and how how much he rates them as as coaches which is um fine endorsement from a caliber of Ollie um but he thinks that they're going to be a he's going to be a future Prem manager um potential back-to-back promotion for Ipswich Laura
2: yeah do you know who he reminds me of Kieran McKenna Eddie Howe and I know there's similarities with Eddie Howe taking Bournemouth through the leagues. Um notwithstanding his Burnley hiatus and it's not just because he's gone to gone from league one and now he's doing really well in the championship but he's got that kind of calm presence of mind that quiet sort of disposition and you can see he's that kind of manager and I can just see him maybe being the next one whether it's with Ipswich I don't think it personally don't think Ipswich will get promoted this year I think it, they'll find it harder to see some progresses with the squad that they've got but I can just see him being one of those sort of Eddie Howe type characters that end up getting a, a good Premier League job and then really pressing, impressing again. Because he he kind of speaks well, doesn't mince his words, he's careful with what he says, and obviously he can get the tune out of a team. So impressive in the League One with Ipswich, but they're a massive club there at the moment. They're not a huge, huge club in the Championship, I wouldn't say. Um, although historically they are quite a good side. But I think, you know... Getting a tune out of Ipswich in the Championship and literally losing only to the best team the Championship's ever seen in Daniel Farker's Leeds is a very good start for them.
1: The the, only, the biggest worry, if I was an Ipswich fan, the biggest worry would be when the sort of Premier League manager turnover starts. So if, say for instance, if um, <clears throat> Burnley's Burnley's poor run continues and they they decide to get rid of company or, or if Wolves continue to sort of plummet and then they decide to get rid of Gary O'Neill you're looking at Kieran McKenna who would be quite a cheap option and obviously he'd be up there right in the top of their list for a new manager wouldn't he because he's, he's impressing so much.
0: Yeah I, I even think just to, and I completely agree that that is a potential issue for them even like looting with Rob Edwards but then you'd probably say is it worth just staying at the championship side in Ipswich and, and trying to go out with them but it might be other clubs that are big in stature in the championship so um Middlesbrough plays Saints this weekend two managers in Michael Carrick um, and Russell Martin who we've spoken about quite a bit who are desperate for a win Ipswich are obviously have, have been a big club before been in the Prem and doing well but you can maybe maybe see someone like Southampton going do you know what maybe we if we get rid of Russell Martin could try and bring McKenna in as well so you're probably right that that's one thing they need to their biggest issue Ipswich is keeping hold of McKenna and maybe some of their players that are doing the business for them so be interested to see how that pans out but yeah I think Michael Carrick and Russell Martin both be absolutely desperate for all three this weekend otherwise could be some uh, interesting conversations had at board level with them. Right boys we'll move on to league one then so Portsmouth had an impressive uh, victory midweek uh, at Barnsley, they host Lincoln will obviously be looking to to take all three there Um, probably the most interesting fixture of the weekend is Oxford versus Exeter which is fourth place versus second and Lauro, Oxford aside that you've spoken about before, looks like they're starting to pick up form and do the business
2: Yeah, and they've got Russell Martin's previous understudy and Liam Manning as their manager and got the bullet at MK Dons because of a poor start to the season last year but I thought it was a clever pickup from Oxford because they're a team that I always associate with good football, good players. They've always got like good attacking players and they've signed some this summer as well, um, particularly Ruben Rodriguez, who was in the National League, who we know all about with Notts County last season. And it just felt like they weren't that bad under Carl Robinson. It was one of them where it come to the end of the cycle and the fans just wanted something new. And I think they just picked exactly the right one. Um, they've made some sensible auditions and, uh, throughout the summer and I fancy them to crack on. Not, I don't think they'll win the league, but I think they'll be right up there. Good stuff.
1: Made... Go on. Interesting thing about that game is that I know it's it was probably their resies, but Exeter lost nine 0 didn't they, to Reading in the week in the EFL Trophy? Um, and uh, so it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how they bounce back from that.
2: Yeah, I hadn't noticed that result. Didn't realise you'd keep kept an eye on the EFL Trophy. And, and no, do you know you what?
1: Do you know what? Actually, because I, I know you guys take the piss out of me um, <laughs> when, we, when we do this EFL segment, but I was just looking at the the League One league there the league table. And I think that's the most interesting league table out of the lot because Portsmouth are winning the league, 16 points out from eight games. So no one's sort of running away with it and dominating. Um, There's only three points separating first and ninth. And that's what I love about the AFL, isn't it? Especially like I always, I always, you just feel like everyone's got a chance of qualifying for the playoff. Do you know what I mean? And and it seems like in league one, everyone's
2: got a chance of winning the league already. Just quickly on that, one team that don't have a chance of winning the league is Cheltenham. So they yeah. sacked their manager, Wade Elliott, this week. One point from the first eight games and no goals. Imagine being a Robin, just going every week. Every If you're home and away, you've not seen one goal. I mean, nearly in October. Sorry, Wade, I'm... that's not good enough.
0: I think obviously Tomo's your man for the Papa John's Trophy, but uh, their only goal this season uh, was in a four-one loss at Bristol Rovers. So I can only imagine the limbs in that game uh, when Bristol Rovers scored an own goal to make
1: it three-one. Uh, yes,
0: yeah, so yeah, it's not looking good for Cheltenham. But um, as uh, as Tomo says, Portsmouth sixteen points, and then. Stevenage in fifth on 15 points, so a point separating top five. I guess that's why three points mean so much in that league. Um, Laurie, just before we move on from League One, just an interesting one actually. Uh, 23rd place Fleetwood go to Burton in 22nd, but they did go and win at uh Port Vale, who are in third midweek. But some familiar faces at Fleetwood for, for people from Yeovil,
2: yeah. So for those that don't know, probably Yeovil's best ever central midfield partnership in history, certainly in my lifetime, is Lee Johnson and Darren Way, who have taken up the the helm at Highbury for Fleetwood. And I was reading the comments right upon the Lee Johnson appointment, and he gets so much crap from clubs that he's been at before. It's unbelievable. So I'm just going to stick up from a bit here, right? This is, from what I remember, this is Lee Johnson's managerial path so far. And obviously his dad's a successful manager as well. Got three promotions with Yeovil, so he went in at Oldham about ten years ago, struggling like fuck. Kept him up, big Matt Smith for scoring goals. Barnsley are impressed. They pick him up. He goes to Barnsley, does really well. And towards the end of that, he wins eight games in a row. I think it was gets him into the playoffs. But before the end of the season, Bristol City pick him up. And he, obviously he's got a big sort of affiliation with that club, and he had to go. Barnsley ended up getting promoted, so he saved Oldham and he put all the you know all the foundations in place to get Barnsley up. Then he spends five or six years at Bristol City, for me, punching above their weight. Because they're not normally a team that you'd associate. They're more of a League One championship team. They've never been in the Premier League. They've got no right to think they're going to be right up there. And although he didn't get them in the playoffs, I thought he did a really good job there. And they, uh, they always gave Leeds a game. So I think he he was unlucky to probably get to the another one, get to the end of the cycle. The fans got fed up with him. So they ended up parting ways after quite a... Um, A good few years there goes to Sunderland again. Doesn't do a bad job, but the first sign of a a losing run gets axed. But they, I think they're in the playoffs, and that they ended up getting promoted as well. And then hands up, I've got no defence for his poor stint at Hibs. But what can you do in Scotland if you're going to Hibs, right? What's the goal? You ain't winning. You ain't getting anywhere near the top two. So the best you can do is hope to come third. And it's just a horrible place to play football up there as well. So, no excuse for Hibbs, albeit I think that was a poor choice in the first place. But what I'm saying is, I think Fleetwood have got a very good manager, particularly for the bottom half of a League One club. They've got some good players there as well. They've got, I think they've got Kabonga Shiamango on loan at the moment as well from Peterborough, who'd just gone there from um, non league. So, be interesting to see if he can get them firing, but he's going to have to because. He's been sacked a few times now. And if it ends up getting sacked up at Fleetwood as well, that could be the right one on the wall. But uh, a good, still young manager that I think's got a lot more to give.
0: Yeah, good luck to, uh, to Lee and Darren uh, at Fleetwood. We'll be uh, monitoring your results, being ex-Oval, uh, as we always do with uh, with other players such as Paul Warren, whose Derby side go to Carlisle this week. And he's he well, saying it. Seamless. I can't keep saying it, Paul. You've got to to win. You must
2: win, Paul. Uh,
0: And then just another fixture in League One to look out for, boys. Bolton versus Peterborough, 7th v 8th. As Tomo says, not many points in it up there. So uh, two decent sides and uh, both will be looking to uh, to move up into the playoffs with, with a victory there. Moving on to lead Two quickly. So, uh, Gillingham, uh, who are in first place, take on 22nd place, Doncaster at home. So, looks like a, a nice home banker there for People's Acres. Uh Adding to that, Notts County in second place go to 21st place, Forest Green. So, potentially two teams there to add in it. who have made good starts. Uh, most interesting fixture of the weekend, I think, is Stockport versus Wrexham. So, Stockport unbeaten in their last three. And Wrexham, who haven't actually lost since... Uh, the first game of the season against MK Dons, um, they'll be looking to to go to Stockport and get a result. But that looks like a, a fairly good game. One team in League Two, just to mention, Salford have now lost four in a row in the league. Um, they've got Harrogate at the weekend, but it looks like they need to win or could be a time up for Neil Wood. Um, I'd imagine Gary Neville and the boys are starting to have conversations about that because they've always got aspirations to uh, to go up. But yeah, be interesting to see if uh, if just, they can. Get Harrogate. Just get-
1: just a quick one on that. So, you know, obviously, Gary Neville's making a name for himself at the minute of blaming absolutely everything on the Glazers at United. So I wonder if he's taking the same approach at Salford where the players aren't playing well, the manager's not doing well, and maybe he blames himself. Yeah, good point, actually. I would imagine if Carrow gets hold of that, trailer thought,
0: then uh, Neville could be in for a bit of a rough time of it. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess for Salford, they have started from grassroots and come up they've not you know they've got a bit of a fan base albeit they've kind of been created by the local community but I mean now they're up into league two I wonder what the aspirations are up for there and what level of money actually the class of 92 have against other just teams in league one league two that have got decent money albeit Wrexham have got different level money I think they've maybe just starting to reach their level now Salford like I don't know if they've got the cash and funds to be going up through the leagues there so um They might have bottomed out a bit there and might just need to stabilise in in the
2: EFL. Yeah, they did get to the playoff semi final last year though, so maybe in charge there. I think he's like the an old United coach or something like that. Yeah, I think I've he, is. he yeah. is. Yeah. So I feel like Gary Neville's been on record before saying he wish I can't remember which manager it was, but he's been quick to sack like Richie Wellens, Graham Alexander, maybe Gary Bowyer as well. Maybe he's just gonna go the other way this time and see if he can leave it and see if it sorts itself out. But. um I agree with you. There's lots of competition financially, even at League Two level now. So it's not going to be easy for them to progress like it was for non-league.
0: Yeah, and as you say, with Notts County Wrexham coming up and looking so strong, and then teams like Gillingham looking looking good as well. I don't I don't think Salford will have will have much opportunity to uh, to climb up the league this year and go up, but we will see with that one. Uh and then we'll just uh quickly touch on Yeovil, as we always do. So this weekend they go to Hampton and Richmond. I had a little look at Yeovil actually, just because of the sheer amount of goals that they've been scoring after scoring seven in the FA Cup. Yeovil are now sixth in the table. They're three points off of top. They've scored 17 goals in their last five games, which Yeovil can't have done in probably a decade. Um, Hampton and Richmond, 21st in the table. Laurie, that's got to be all three, it?
2: Yeah. And like I just said with Leeds last week, I think it's time to kick on now. I think it will be with Yeovil. And the really good thing is we have been winning with three points off top. And I think it's... Uh, a common theme amongst fans that we think we haven't really got going yet, but we're still too good for everyone, I think, or m- most teams will be too good for on the day. And when we're playing Eastbourne Borough in, in the previous fixture, and our substitutes bench is Reese Murphy, Jake Hyde, Jordan Stevens, Jordan Maguire-Drew and Charlie Cooper. At that level, they'd all start in most National League teams. Um, I just think it's a scary prospect. And I think Hampton and Richmond on Saturday are going to be in for an absolute drumming. I was right about it for Leeds last week at Millwall, and I'm praying to God that it will be the same um, at Hampton and Richmond, and I will be there. So I'll report back to you on Monday what it's like, but I'm expecting all three points. Yeah, brilliant. Safe travels
0: up there, and then straight back in the motor and home in time for uh, Burnley United. So enjoy that. (laughs) Boys, we'll finish with uh, everyone's favourite podcast game, Spin the Wheel. So... Last week, we were on defenders. I can't catch a break here with this game. Uh, Tomo, you went for Matty Cash, who got one point. Uh, I went for Destiny uh, doggy, who got two points. And Loro went for Trent Alexander, or I think it was a man who goes by the name of Trent Alexander-Arnold, who we can't believe that no one else has picked up on, uh, who had a muscular injury and got zero points. So that really tightens it up at the top. Uh, Loro stays on 10 points. Uh, Tomo is on nine points, and I, after three game weeks, one of which Lauro's had an injured player, I'm on half the points on five. Uh, I've spanned the wheel, and this week it's on forwards. Uh, But, Lauro, as you drew a blank last week, I'll let you go first.
2: My phone's ran out of battery. Who's Everton playing? Everton are away at Brentford. Wisser, for me, please. Obvious reasons. Yeah. Tomo? Um, I'm just going to go for that
1: lad, Julian Alvarez. Um, we spoke about earlier in the in the corresponding fixture last season, he got a brace against Forest, So I expect nothing less, Julian. Okay. Uh, and I am going to go for the best
0: Scandinavian striker in the Premier League, Rasmus Hodgland, away at Burnley. Brace. Boys, that's all we got time for. We'll be back on Monday where we will review all of the... Uh, weekend's action and preview any midweek fixtures as well but pleasure as always have a good one cheers cheers take care
2: one two